1 Thessalonians chapter number 3 this morning. We want to read, start beginning to read with uh, verse number 1. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse number 1. Let's all stand as we give respect to the word of God. It says, Wherefore, when we could no longer forbear, we thought it good to be left at, Eph- or at Athens alone, and sent Timotheus, our brother and minister of God, and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ, to establish you and to comfort you uh, uh, concerning your faith that no man should be moved by these afflictions. For yourselves know that we were appointed thereunto. For verily, when we were with you, we told you before that we should suffer tribulation even as it came to pass, and ye know. For this cause, when I could no longer forbear, I sent to know your faith, lest by some means the tempter have tempted you, and our labor be in vain. But now, when Timotheus came from you unto us and brought us good tidings of your faith and charity, and that ye have good remembrance of us always, desiring greatly to see us as we also to see you, therefore, brethren, we were comforted over you in all our affliction and and distress by your faith. For now we live, if ye stand fast, In the Lord. Let's pray. Father, I thank you today that we have the precious Word of God that can strengthen us and help us. And Father, I pray today for uh, those of us here today as we think about Timothy, this uh, man in the faith. God, how important it is to be people that are reliable, dependable, faithful to you. And Lord, that stand upon your Word. And God, that follow through with the things that you have for us to do. We thank you, Lord, for this time, and I thank you for your spirit that guides and and directs in our lives on a daily basis. We thank you for keeping us safe today. And, Lord, we just pray that you'd bless and and watch over uh, those that are in our church family. Pray, God, you'd bless. Give me your words today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. It was a stormy night in Birmingham, England, or Birmingham, England. And Hudson Taylor was to speak at a meeting with at the 7th Street Schoolhouse. I mean, the storm was just pouring on. His hostess assured him that nobody would attend on such a stormy night, but Taylor insisted on preaching. Taylor said, I must go even if there's no one there but the doorkeeper. Less than a dozen people showed up, but the meeting was marked with the unusual spiritual power that night. Half of those present uh, either became missionaries or gave their children as missionaries, and the rest were faithful supporters of the China Inland Mission for years to come. You know, Benjamin Franklin once said, if you want something done, ask a busy person. Ask a busy person. In an article on time management, one individual made the following comments. Busy people are all able to get more done in a day because they don't waste time. They take advantage of every moment and consider time as a precious commodity. The slothful person, though, thinks that nothing of watching his time pass. There's also a group in the middle who consider themselves busy, but it's more a term they use to validate themselves. 
Have you ever noticed that busy is the new word to use when somebody asks you how uh, ask you how you are instead of being good or now we are just busy. We're busy. The pace of life has increased in a way that we only feel worthwhile when we're moving at a frantic pace. Being busy. You know, today Jesus is looking for men and women and young people and even children to carry on his work. It's a great work. The work of the Lord is a great work. Boy, there's a lot to do, isn't there? Boy, there we have 7.9 billion people in the world that need to hear the gospel. The work is to go into all the world and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to every creature, to baptize them, and then to teach them to live by the truth of the, of the Bible. The Lord is looking for vessels which are clean morally. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 2.19, Nevertheless, the foundations of God stand as sure, having this seal. The Lord knoweth them that are his, and let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. That word iniquity is just another term for sin. If I know Jesus, I'm supposed to depart from sin. God is looking for clean vessels that he can work through. The Lord is looking also for vessels which are willing and available, willing to lay aside their own goals and their desires to fulfill, to fulfill his, willing to sacrifice their time and, yea, their own lives if need be, to complete his will. Would you be a vessel that the Lord would turn to to get a job done? Turn with me if you would. Keep your finger here, but go to 2 Timothy chapter 2 just to the right of where you are in Thessalonians, 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 20. Timothy, or Paul says here, he says, But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and earth, some to, some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, talking about sins, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified or read, uh, set apart, and meet or ready for the master's use and prepared unto every good work. When we prepare ourselves, and when we uh, make sure that we are walking with God, then we're a vessel that God can use. The Apostle Paul had an important job which needed to be done, and he turned to a faithful man, one who had proven himself to be like-minded, who would naturally care for the, for the care of these people at Thessalonica, like the Apostle, uh, Apostle Paul would if he were there, he turned to Timothy, his son in the faith. The message today is Timothy, a man with an important mission. Could God, the question we want to ask ourselves is this, could God entrust you with his work today? I want you to look at this portion of Scripture as we go back to 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter number 3, and notice, first of all, that Timothy was a reliable servant. It says in verse number one, Wherefore, when we could no longer forbear, we thought it good to be left at Athens alone, and sent Timotheus, our brother and minister of God, and fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ, to establish you and to comfort you concerning your faith. Consider the Christian qualities as Paul was looking at this young man, Timothy. The Bible says that he was... In verse number two, he says, he was our brother. 
our brother. Now, he's not talking today in the, the physical sense of like brothers and sisters. I had th uh, two sisters, and they were, uh, they were born into our family, physical family, and th that's not what he's talking about here. He's talking about the spiritual relationship that we have when we receive Christ as our Savior. We become, when we ask Jesus to be our Savior, we are part of God's family. A song that uh, the Gaithers wrote many years ago called The Family of God. I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. I've been washed in the fountain, cleansed by His blood. Join heirs with Jesus as we travel this side, for I'm part of the family, the family of God. You will notice we say brother and sister around here. It's because we're a family and these folks are so near. When one has a heartache, we all share the tears and rejoice in each victory in this family so dear. Timothy belonged to the family of God. What about you? What about you? Are you part of the family of God? Some say, well, you know, everyone is part of God's family. I remember when I was in elementary school that, that uh, we had one of the a young girl came up and she was, uh, she was saying, well, you know, we're all part of God's family. God created all of us, so we're all part of God's family. I submit to you, we're not all part of God's family. God did create all of us, but we're not all of God's, part of God's family, especially when we understand what the scriptures say. Go with me to John chapter 8, verse 44. When we come into this world, we're not part of God's family. John chapter 8 and verse 44, Jesus is speaking to some people who were, were religious. They were people who people looked up to. And uh, in the, in the uh, Jewish religion there, and they thought they were the teachers of the people to instruct them. The only problem was they had a religion without a relationship. And folks, you can have a religion without a relationship with God. You say, well, what do you mean, Pastor? Well, when you talk to people, many times they'll say, well, I'm of the Lutheran religion, I'm a Presbyterian, I'm a Baptist, I'm a Pentecostal. Those are titles. And many times they're religions. If you follow to certain things, you are part of that group. You can have a religion and not have a relationship with God. And today, folks, may I share with you, you can have a religion and be a, be a Baptist, if you would, and be part of Galilee Baptist Church without having a relationship with God. You say, well, pastor, what do you mean? Well, you come to Galilee Baptist Church, and you come and sit in a pew, and you sing the songs, and you know the people, and, and, and you might even carry your Bible. Hopefully you do, but might, you might even carry your Bible, and I know all these things, and I do all these things, so I must have a relationship with God. There's only one way to have a relationship with God. Amen. We're going to see that in just a moment. Jesus is talking to these people who would go to the Sabbath every day, or every Saturday, and they would go and they would listen to people teach. Many of these people that he's talking to would teach and in, instruct. But notice what Jesus says here in John 8, 44. He says, Ye are of your father, the devil. Wow. What a stark awakening to people who were looked up to as being the pillars of spiritual wisdom. He says, you are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, 
because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. Do you understand what he's saying here? When we come into the world, we're not part of God's family. We're part of Satan's family. We do what we want to do. We live the way that we want to live. Uh, the Bible says when we come into the world, we are, we are sinners. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We are sinners by nature. And because we are sinners by nature, we do what sinners do. And as Jesus said here, the, the, the world, the Bible tells us the world is, is under the power of the wicked one, Satan. And Satan is the one who encourages people to go the direction they go. Here he says that Satan is an encourager to lie. Wow. You say, well, Pastor, about all the things we see today and people telling lies and we call it misquoting and misdirection. No, no, they're lies. How do they get to that? How do they? Well, they're following their father, the devil. The Bible tells us that our old man is corrupt. When we get saved, though, we ask Jesus Christ to come into our heart and be our Savior. We say, you know what? I don't want to live that way anymore. I want to live for Jesus Christ. I want to follow in his footsteps. I want to turn from this and turn to Jesus. Jesus died for my sins. He was buried and rose again. The Bible says that I become a new creature, a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are becoming new. And folks, as we walk in this new life, what happens? Now I'm part of the family of God. I've been baptized into the family of God. I become part of God's family. And I'm going in his direction. And we are brothers and sisters in Christ only if we've received Jesus Christ as our Savior. I didn't ask you if you were a member of here at Galilee, Galilee Baptist Church. I've had people that have been members of Galilee, or Galilee Baptist Church in the past that weren't saved. In fact, there was a person that was a member of Galilee Baptist Church. I remember her very well. And every time I'd mention the thing, I'd come to it ask, and, and we'd ask, I'd say, do you know Jesus as your Savior? And she'd say, why do you keep asking me that? Because I was concerned about her. I wanted to make sure she was on her way to heaven. And uh, so one day she finally, after I I'd ask her periodically, and she, because I just wanted to make sure she was on her way to heaven, one day she said, Pastor, we need to go to your office. Now, usually it's just kind of the reverse, you know. Can I talk to you in my office? But this person said, Pastor, we need to go to, we need to, go to your office. I said, okay. She said, you know what? I'm ready now to settle this thing about asking Jesus to be my Savior. I want him to come into my heart today and ask him to be my Savior. I said, praise the Lord. I like that type of person. <laughs> Amen. So we went in and led her to Christ. That person was Ruby Ranseer. She, she'd been in church for her whole life. She'd been teaching Sunday school classes and doing different things. But when she thought about her life, there was never a time when she'd asked Jesus Christ to come into her heart and be her Savior. She knew it from that point forward. And she had settled that decision in her life. You know, there's some other people that did the same thing. And uh, I was at Super One. And they said, Pastor, because I'd talk about the gospel and how important the gospel is and being part of the family of God. They came up one day and they said, Pastor, can you please come to our house and talk to us? They were the Beals that used to attend here. 
I said, absolutely. They said, we want to know. And it settled this thing about asking Jesus to be our Savior. Went there, and they said, you know what? We've sung in the choir. We've done all these things. But we've never asked Jesus to be our Savior. I had the great privilege of leading them to Christ. See, folks, it's not religion that's going to get you to heaven. It's a relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen. You can hold every office in this church. You can do all sorts of things. You can be involved and busy like we're talking about. And a lot of people think that's how they get to heaven, by being busy. Being busy for the church. Folks, can I tell you something? God desires for us to have a relationship first with him. And then out of that relationship comes our desire to want to live for him. This man named Timothy, he was a brother. He was one who knew the Lord. He had that confidence. You know, when we admit that we're a sinner, that we believe that Jesus died for our sins and was buried and rose again for us, and we ask him to be our Savior, we call upon him. The Bible says we are adopted into God's family. I'm adopted. See, oh, pastor, you know, people say, well, I'm adopted into my family. I, I didn't have, you know, I'm not, don't have the, my biological parents. Hey, if you're a Christian, you're all, we're all adopted. Amen. We're all adopted into God's family. Because we were in this, fam this family over here, and God takes us from this family and puts us into his family. What a blessing. Has there ever been a time in your life when you've acknowledged that you were a sinner, accepted the fact that Jesus died for your sins, was buried and rose again, and you've put your trust and faith in Jesus alone? It's not faith and baptism. It's not faith and the church. It's not faith and anything. It's Jesus only. Notice something else that is said about Timothy. Not only was he a brother, but the Bible says he was a minister of God. Going back to that portion, back to 2 Timothy, or 2, uh, 1 Thessalonians, excuse me, 1 Thessalonians chapter number 3, it says, and sent Timotheus, our brother and minister of God. The word minister, diakonos is the word, it's one who executes the commands of another, a servant. Timothy was a man who carried out the orders of the Lord. Whatever God said, Timothy did. He was a servant of God. May I share with you that every child of God is called to be a servant. Jesus is the master. We are to be his servants. Interesting, go with me to Acts chapter number 9. Here on Acts, in Acts chapter 9, we have the account of Saul, whose name was later changed to, to Paul, was on the road to Damascus. And as he was on the road to Damascus, he, uh, he was going to go and get some people, uh, men and women, that had been following this new sect. He believed it was a new group. And uh, he was going to haul them back to Jerusalem. They were going to be tried. And many of them would be put to death because of their belief in a person called Jesus Christ. So he's, he's got authority from the church, not the, the true church. He's got it from the, uh, the group there in Jerusalem. And verse 3, it says, And as he journeyed, talking of, of uh, Saul here, whose name was changed to Paul, he came near into Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? 
And he answered, Who art thou, Lord? Notice, Who art thou, Lord? The Lord said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. It's hard for thee to kick against the pricks. Those, a prick was a sharp stick. I don't know about you, if you kick against a sharp stick, you're, gonna, you're, gonna, you're not going to come out the good end on that one. It's going to hurt. And here, he's telling Saul, he says, hey, Saul, you're, you're going against me. It's hard for you to kick against me and get, and get uh, uh, on the good side. But notice what Saul says. And he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what will thou have me to do? You know what he did? He put his trust and faith in, in Jesus right here. He was told who he was, and he automatically received him not only as Savior, but as Lord. You tell me what to do. A lot of people, when they get saved, they, they receive Jesus as their Savior, but they never ask him, and they never receive him as their Lord. Can I share with you? It's not well, I accept him as my Savior, but I'm not going to let him be my Lord. No, no, that's not how it works, folks. When you ask Jesus to be your Savior, you are getting him as your Lord as well. You need to understand. I think there's a lot of people today that they have the misunderstanding about receiving Jesus Christ as their Savior. He is the Lord Jesus Christ. That if thou wilt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. His he is Lord. He is Jesus, which means Savior. He is the Master. The problem is, many Christians don't accept Him as Lord. They just want Him as Jesus. They just want Him as their Savior to make sure that they're on their way to heaven. But I submit to you, that's why Paul said in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, it says, what, know you not that you're that your uh, body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own, for you are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Hey, we're not our own. He is the master. We are the servant. That means we're to serve the Lord. How interesting it is when we think of people serving the Lord. People, there's so many that don't want to serve the Lord. They'd serve themselves. They don't want to serve the Lord. You ask them to teach a Sunday school class. Well, I can't do that, preacher. Well, you know, we need to have some lawns mowed out there. Well, I can't do that either. Well, we need some people to go out and go soul winning and tell people in our area about Jesus Christ. Well, I'm busy. I wonder if back in those Bible times when you had a king and you told the king you weren't going to do his commands, I wonder what would happen. But I submit to you, you know what? The Lord Jesus Christ is King of kings and Lord of lords. Amen. What about him? What about his will? Do we do his will? Do we do what he commands? See, Timothy was a minister of God. He was a servant of God. Are you a servant of God? How have you served God this past week? If you were to chart out all of, your, all of your work this week and say, okay, this is what I did for God this week. I wonder if you had a big, long timeline, how much of that timeline would there be of anything that you did for God? I've been in churches that 
the staff have to give an account each week of how many, or, you know, what they've done. Did they teach a Sunday school class? Did they, did they, how many hours they went soul winning and different things like that? You say, well, pastor, we shouldn't have to do that. No, you shouldn't. It should be a natural thing for us to do. But the reason why they do that is simply this. It's because it's very easy for us to get self-absorbed rather than Christ-absorbed. How much did you do anything for Jesus this week? And if you look at how much you did for Christ and how much he did for you, I wonder who got the, the bigger brunt of this week. Timothy was a minister of God. Notice something else that we find about Timothy. He was a fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ. The Bible says here in verse number 2, And he sent Timotheus, our brother and minister of God, and the fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ. So what's the significance there? He was not only called to serve, but he was called to give the gospel of Christ. To share the gospel, the good news. Well, pastor, you understand that when I got saved, I asked Jesus to be my Savior, and, and, and that's important. And I'll serve. And I, I, will do, you know, I, I will do some other things. But we are called to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with other people. Do we share the gospel? Is it our motivation to tell others about Jesus? Hey, there's people. Do you know friends and relatives and brothers and sisters that don't know Jesus Christ? I know some folk. I want to give, I want to give them the gospel. There's people that are moving into our valley all the time that need to hear the gospel. They need the good news. They need to know there's coming a day when they will breathe their last breath. Wouldn't it be great to know that you gave them the gospel? So, Pastor, not everybody wants the gospel. Not everybody's willing to listen. But it would be wonderful for them to be able to have the opportunity to choose to ask Jesus Christ to be their Savior or to reject. How shall they hear, the Bible says, without a preacher? Go to, with me to Romans chapter 10 and look at that verse. Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10, verse number 13. It says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If people call upon the name of the Lord they, and they ask Jesus to be their Savior, they can be saved. You can be saved from your sin, and you can have a relationship with God, be adopted into his family, but notice verse 14, after he's just made this wonderful statement. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? Well, people have to believe, they have to understand about Jesus before they can accept him as their Savior. They have to, and then he goes on and he's kind of building the case here. How shall they believe in him in whom they have not heard? If you haven't heard, how are you going to know how to believe? It's not because, well, I woke up this morning and now I believe in Jesus. That's not how it works. Well, I was raised in a good, good church family. Well, that's not how, that's not how you get, get the message either. How shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? How shall they believe in him in whom they have not heard? How shall they hear without a preacher? You say, well, that means that's your re responsibility, pastor. You're a preacher. Every one of us is to be a preacher. Amen. A proclaimer is the idea here. A, pro a proclaimer. And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. For they have not all obeyed the gospel, for Isaiah saith, 
um, Lord, who hath believed our report? So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Folks, as we go and we share the gospel with people in our community, they have an opportunity to respond either favorably or to reject Jesus Christ. But at least they've heard. At least they've heard. Here, Timothy, he was a fellow laborer. He was a fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ. The children's song, This Little Light of Mine, I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. What's the whole thing? Well, I'm going to let people know about Jesus all over Stevensville. Do you let people know around you that you're, you're a Christian, you know Jesus as your Savior? Do you let people know that Jesus can save them from their sins? Do you let people know that, hey, there is a wonderful hope in a, in a world today where there, people have no hope? There is a hope. It's found in Jesus Christ. So look at Timothy's mission very quickly. Paul has found this young man. He knows this young man. He's been working with him. Now he gives him a, message. He gives him a mission. And notice the mission here in verses 2 down to verse number 5. He, there are several parts to it. He says, And he sent Timotheus, our brother and minister of God and fellow laborer in the, the gospel of Christ, to establish you. That word establish means to make firm, to set uh, fast, to, to confirm. Timothy had a job to make these believers strong in the faith. Paul was sending them to come and, and come with these believers and, and help them to get their, their understanding and their faith strong. How to have a strong faith. So how would he go about establishing their faith? Well, we just got done reading in Romans 10, 17. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. You know how your faith becomes strong? It's through the preaching of God's word. It's through the preaching of God's word. Look with me to 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. As Paul is, is charging Timothy, he's telling him, this is what you need to do. I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge and quit the quick and the dead at his appearing before his kingdom. Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but, shall, but after their own lust... Will, uh, shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. He says, you know what? We're to preach the word. When Timothy came to these people at Thessalonica, what did he do? He preached to them the word. He taught them. He instructed them in the word of God. Knowing and applying the truth of God's word will build your faith. Would you like to be a mighty in spirit, mighty in the, in the Lord? Man, I would like that. You know, we read of people in the Bible. We read about Paul and Peter, and, and we read about these different people that, that God did some great things. They were mighty in their faith. I think of Enoch. Enoch was not, for God took him. He translated and took him home. Elijah called down fire from heaven. And why? He's mighty in, mighty in faith. Um, I think of even Mary, the mother of Jesus. She was mighty in faith. Believing what God had said, hey, you're going to have, you're going to have the, uh, uh, the Christ child. 
Boy, she was, how's that going to be? Well, she just trusted by faith and God worked in her. It's amazing how God worked and how God did the things that he did. So here as we're looking at this portion of scripture and, and considering how, would he, how is he going to encourage and build their faith, establish them, it's through the preaching. Also, I think a way that your faith is built up is by teaching them how to defend their faith through the word of God. Look with me, if you would, to 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse number 15. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. First Peter chapter 3, verse 15, Peter's speaking here to some believers. He says this, he says, But sanctify, set apart the Lord God in your heart, and be ready always to give an answer, it's the Greek word apologia, a defense, to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that's in you with meekness and fear. You know, as you give a defense for what you believe, it builds your faith. As you can go to the scriptures when your people start talking to you about Jesus and they say, well, you know, uh, who is Jesus? And you can start going, well, you know, the Bible says that uh, in John chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus, in verse 14, says, and he, the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory as the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus Christ was God in the flesh. And you start sharing that Jesus Christ had no sin. He lived a life that was sinless. Um, and go uh, scripture after scripture building that, that faith, uh, building that answer for people. You know what that does? It strengthens your faith. But I submit to you, you don't get that understanding unless you get into the word of God. I think what Timothy did is he started taking the people not only to preach to them, but also to teach them how to defend their faith. That's how you become established. How well can you defend your faith biblically? How well can you defend your faith biblically? You say, well, Pastor, now you're starting to meddle. I'm to provoke you to love and good works. I'm supposed to encourage you to get into the word of God so that you can defend your life. Not only was he to establish the believers, but he was to comfort the believers as well. So we'll pass, go back to that portion where we were in 1 Thessalonians. He was to comfort them. Not only was he to help establish them, but he was to comfort them. And we see that there in, in uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter number 3. Notice what it says. He says, to comfort you concerning your faith. How could he comfort people? You know, we have a lot of people today that need to be comforted. Christians need to be comforted. People need to be comforted. How can we comfort people? Well, there's a lot of different ways, but let me give you just a couple. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning with verse 3. Paul is writing here to the Corinthian believers. He's talking about the Lord Jesus Christ and the God of all comfort in verse number 3. He says, Blessed be the God, even our Father of, the, of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, notice, and the God of all comfort, who comforteth us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble 
by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. How can we comfort people today? By pointing them to Jesus. You know, let me tell you, you know, I can, I, there's one who can comfort you. There's one who can help you no matter what your circumstance, no matter what trial, no matter what problem you're coming and, and facing. I can't comfort you and meet all your needs. But there is a Savior. There is Jesus Christ who can comfort you. Notice what he says in verse number 4. Who comforteth us in all our tribulation. The Lord can comfort us. Jesus can comfort you in anything you're going through. Notice what he goes on to say. He's able to comfort, uh, who, uh, who comforteth us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in what? Any trouble. What do you mean? What do you mean? Well, I may not be going through exactly what you're going through, but there is one who is there for you. There is one who can help you. There is one who can encourage you. There is one who can give you his peace, and it's the Lord Jesus Christ, no matter who you are. How can I, how can I tell you that? Because the word of God tells me that there's the God of all comfort. So when we're thinking about comforting, comforting people, folks, we can, we can say to people, uh, what they want to hear said, that doesn't always comfort. I've been in the hospital uh, many times with people that are in, in difficult situations, and, uh, you know, sometimes people say, well, you've got to say something. Sometimes it's just listening. Sometimes it's just pointing them to the God of all comfort who is the one that can help them. I've had people say, well, you haven't walked in my steps. No, I haven't. But there's a Savior who has. Amen. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him, Jesus, the iniquity, the sin of us all. He's walked in your step. He can help you. Not only by pointing people to Jesus can we comfort people, but by speaking words of comfort. Look at Mark, or Matthew chapter 9, verse 22. Matthew chapter 9, and verse number 22. Matthew 9, and verse number 22. Here's a woman who had an issue of blood for 12 years. She came, uh, she had been with the physicians. Another portion of Scripture tells us she'd spent all and she came to Jesus. He was the last resort for her. And she comes and she said, uh, verse 21 says, For she had said within herself, If I but touch the hem of his garment, I shall be whole. But Jesus turned, and, and she did, and she touched him, the hem of his garment. But Jesus turned him about, and when he had saw her, he said, Daughter, be of good comfort, thy faith hath made thee whole. And the woman was made whole from that hour. Words of comfort. You know, folks, when people are hurting, we can speak words of comfort to help them. Just like the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you speak words of comfort? Say, well, pastor, there's nobody comforting me. We need to get outside of ourselves and start looking at how God wants to use us. God came to give us hope in his word. He came to give us hope in himself. 
And we need to realize that God can use us in a special way to comfort those that are hurting. Here's another way that we can comfort people by sharing the scriptures with one another. Romans chapter 15. In Romans chapter 15, verse 4. You know, when you come to church, we can share the scriptures with one another. Well, we, we can share all sorts of things, don't we? We share with, about hunting, about our cars and our trucks, and, and we share about, you know, the specials that we've got. But notice what, he, what Paul talks about here in chapter, Romans 15 and verse number 4. He says, For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through the patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. You know all those Old Testament stories? David and Goliath. And you say, well, yeah, David and Goliath, that was a, that was a long time ago. And, but can I tell you something? The God who helped David to overcome Goliath with just a little stone, when David went against this Goliath who was nine feet, nine inches tall, it's the same God who can give you comfort and hope in this day in which you live. Hey, when you come to those river, just like they did Jordan, and they had to cross over Jordan, boy, that looks like an impossible feat. How are we going to get through that? And we can go back to the scriptures, and we can start reading the scriptures and see how those waters parted, and they walked on dry land. Hey, that's the same God who's in operation, who's working in this world today. He's still the same God. He's still the God of power. And he can do something great on your behalf. Oh, when we come to the scriptures and it talks about Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. My God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. Well, I don't know where it's, that money's going to come from, but may I share with you, we can comfort one another in the promises of God. This book is full of the promises of God. Full of the promises of God. How many of them do you know? It's filled with comfort for us. Psalm 23, a comforting psalm. Many people know it. Many people quote it when they have a loss of a loved one. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for thou art with me. Why do people quote that? Because it's comforting when you're going through all of those times of your life and the seasons of life. Hey, there is a God of all comfort. We can comfort one another by sharing the word of God. By sharing the word of God. You can comfort them. You can point them to God. Who, who they need. You can comfort and yeah, share words of comfort to them. You can share the wonderful promises of God with people to comfort them. That's what Timothy was sent there to do. Not only to establish them, not only to comfort them, but to ensure that the believers would not be moved by Paul's affliction. Look back there in that portion. He says, that no man should be moved by these afflictions, for yourselves know that we were appointed thereunto. For verily when we were with you, we told you before that we should suffer tribulation, even as it came to pass, and ye know. That word moved means to 
tremble or to shake. Sometimes when people hear about the trials of other believers, it causes them to become fearful. We start wondering, what if that would happen to me? The persecution that we hear of brothers and sisters in Christ around the world and also in America. I was reading through the Christian Law Association and some of the persecution that churches and believers are going through because of the name of Christ. I was uh, thinking about uh, the one, I was listening to a message the other day by Brother David Gibbs, and he was talking about the very first start of their ministry of CLA, Christian Law Association. There was a pastor who had called him and contacted him and asked him if uh, he would be willing to defend him. He had, he had talked with his wife. He and his wife said, you know what, there... We, we just need to, we just believe the Lord would lay it, uh, is laying upon our heart to start a ministry, a, uh, an attorney ministry, if you would, to help Christians and churches where people are trying to uh, stop them from standing for the things of God. And uh, the very first one that he had, uh, this guy had contacted him, uh, and his wife and I, his wife and he had decided on Thursday and this gentleman contacted him on Tuesday. Um, they decided to start this ministry on Tuesday. This pastor called. He had another business. He, had a, he was a, a new lawyer uh, and had a, a practice. And, and so this man had called him and says, I think that I've got a problem here. And the, the state is trying to sue me and trying to close down my Christian school. And... Uh, he said, no, no, you just, you know, you, you mustn't be reading the, the papers wrong. And so he said, well, can I come and show you? So he came and showed him the, the papers that were given to him. He says, oh, no, they're, they're definitely trying to do that. Yes, we will defend you. And they defended them for years. And because of that case, Christian schools could be in America. You say, well, pastor, in America? Absolutely. They won that case. And they did it without charge. You know, praise God for Christian Law Association. Amen. Praise God that people are willing to serve the Lord. They're willing to sacrifice for God. Sharing the scriptures with others. But they've gone through, they've gone through the fire. Christians have gone through the fire. And sometimes when we hear about these things, we say, well, you know what? Maybe I should just live for my life and do my own things. Hey, folks, can I tell you something? There's nothing greater than to live for Jesus. Amen. The Bible says if we will suffer with him, we shall also reign with him. Paul knew that he was going to suffer for the cause of Jesus Christ from the very beginning. The Lord told him, we read back in Acts chapter 9, but in verse, uh, in verse 15 and 16, it says, But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, talking to Ananias, Go thy way, for he, is a, he, Paul, is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel, for I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. I wonder if we knew the things that we would have to suffer for being a Christian up front, I wonder how many people would want to be a Christian. Sometimes people want to isolate you from 
their presence. They don't want you to be at their parties. They don't want you to be around them. Family members kind of mock your, your stand and who, what you believe and what you stand for. If you knew all of that up front, I wonder if that would be the reality. That's why in some of these places around the world where persecution is so strong now, those people count the cost before they receive Christ as their Savior. So often, people don't even count the cost. It's just an easy thing to receive Christ. Folks, it is an easy thing to receive Christ. But it's going to cost you something to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Timothy 3.12, it says, Yea, then all that will live godly, godly in Christ Jesus, shall suffer persecution. Those that live godly in Christ Jesus. Philippians 1.29, For unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake. You know, people don't like the principles of God's word. People don't like what God has to say. Because man and God are on two different planes. God's ways are not our ways, neither is his thoughts our thoughts. We're going a different direction. But if I'm going to live for Jesus, as Jesus lived for the Father, then people are not going to love you all the time either. Don't give up living for Jesus when persecution comes. Just realize that you're bringing glory to God. Look with me to 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 12. 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 12. Look what it says. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you or test you as though some strange thing happened unto you. But rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings that when his glory shall be revealed ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye. For the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. On their part, he is evil spoken of, the part of the unsaved. But on your part, he is glorified. You know, on the, he says, don't you understand when you go through trials because of being a Christian? Hey, on their part, you know, he's evil spoken of. But on God's part, when they're speaking evil of you because of Christ, hey, he's being glorified. He's being magnified in your life. The fourth reason why Paul sent Timothy was this, that Paul might know their faith. He says in verse 5, he says, For this cause, when I should no longer forbear, I sent to know your faith, lest by some means the tempter have tempted you, and, you lab and your, our labor is in vain. May I share with you that Paul cared about these new Christians. Let me ask you, when you lead somebody to Christ, do you care about that new person? How they're doing, how they're growing, are they growing? Are they struggling? Are they having those problems? See, Paul cared about those people at Thessalonica. He led them to Christ. And when we lead somebody to Christ, we ought to be concerned about them helping them to grow. We often are more concerned about how people are doing physically than we are spiritually. Do you ask, do you express your concern about people's spiritual well-being? When they seem to be struggling, do you offer comfort? Sometimes when people are struggling, what happens is this. They're struggling in their life, and all of a sudden, we just back off. Well, you're struggling. You're having a hard time. Well, that, I understand. 
and I move away. How is that comforting? How is that helping them? The Bible says we're to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. We're to come alongside and we're to lift them up. One of the things yesterday, we went by to see Kathy Llewellyn and Kathy had mentioned about Lana, how that Lana uh, is there to encourage and call on the phone and, and uh, give prayer requests and those different things. And that was a great compliment to you, Lana, in your, in your testimony. You say, well, can't, I can't do like I used to do, but every one of us can do something. There are people that are all around us that need to be encouraged, need to be helped. Faith, the faith of others, the faith of the people in this church need to be built up. Do we care? Are we investing our life in those people? When, in, when uh, people are making bad decisions, do you share with them what the Bible says? Or are you just, do you pray for them? Timothy's good report, Timothy... Paul sent Timothy. Timothy goes and comes back. And notice what Timothy's report, his good report, and how it, how, what it did. Notice here in uh, verse 6. But now when Timotheus came unto, uh, from you unto us and brought us good tidings of your faith. What did he do? He brought good tidings of their faith. Hey, these people are doing well. They're going on. They're continuing on for God. You know what? There's a blessing in hearing that people are going on for God. John the Apostle said, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Hey, parents, does it not thrill your heart to hear your children are walking in the right way? Doing the right things? Man, it just, it rings your bell. It encourages your heart. So the same thing is true as he's talking about here when, when you've led somebody to Christ and they're walking forward and they're doing what God wants them to do and they're, they're making the decisions the way that God wants them. It, it encourages the heart of the person that led them to Christ. Well, let me encourage you this week. Maybe you remember that person. Do you remember that person who led you to Christ? I remember, I remember that place. I remember that person. Why not contact them this week and just say, hey, you know what? I just want to let you know, I'm still serving God. I'm, I'm moving forward. I'm doing what God wants me to do. I love Jesus with all my heart. Just wanted to let you know. Just wanted to let you know. What a blessing. What an encouragement. Their faith was going on. But not only their faith was going on, there was good tidings of their faith, but there was good tidings of their charity. That word charity is the word love. Their love was being demonstrated. Look at 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 and 8. John the Apostle, who is known as the Apostle of Love in 1 John 4, verse 7 and 8, says this. He says, uh, he says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. Hey, their, their love was being known in the church and the people were loving one another and they were caring for one another. There was that, that sweet spirit. Jesus said, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have what? Love, love one for another. It didn't say if you have a 10-pound Bible under your arm. That's not how we knew. That's not how people would know that they were a Christian, that they were a follower of Jesus Christ, but that they would love one another. 
that they would love one another. Timothy comes back with this report, and he says, you know what? They, they have a good love for one another. The love of Christ was flowing through them. 2 Peter 3.18, not only that, but they were growing in their faith, but as, as Peter says, but gr now grow in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Their faith was growing, their love was growing, and they had a desire to see the Apostle Paul once again. Look what it says there in verse 6. And that ye have a good remembrance of us always, desiring greatly to see us as we also to see you. Let me ask you a question. As you think, while you think about these people, they long to see Paul and his companions. Do you leave a good taste in your mouth with others? So that when they think about you, they say, man, I'd sure like to see them again. Or when they think about you, do they start saying, wow. They start cringing. They're coming. Are you kidding? You say, oh, pastor, anybody would be, feel special when I came to their house. Well, let me just tell you, you might be surprised. These people were desirous to see Paul and his companions come, and vice versa. Folks, I wonder what type of thought we leave in the mind of others. Do we have a loving and kind and gracious attitude? The final thing we see here is that the report brought comfort and encouragement to Paul and others. Verse 7, he says, 7 and 8, Therefore, brethren, we were comforted over you in all our affliction and distress by your faith. And now we live if, here's a condition, if ye stand fast in the Lord. What comforted them? Hey, these believers were standing fast. Folks, you encourage others in the Lord by your walk with God. Are you a person today who can be trusted with doing a great job for God? Are you faithful like Timothy? Are you reliable? Are you dependable? Are you a clean vessel which God can use, or does God have to get rid of all the junk in your life before he can even use you? See, if we've got all the junk in our life, there's no area for the Holy Spirit to take over and, and to fill. We need to be filled with the Spirit of God and not with the things of this world. Do you seek to build others in the faith, to establish and strengthen their walk in the Lord, to comfort them? Is that what we do? See, that's what Timothy was called upon to do for the Apostle Paul. Paul, couldn't, Paul was not able to go at that particular time, but he sent one with a great mission and great work. Folks, today, God's got a great work to do. And for us, each of us, have an opportunity to serve and live for God. How are we serving Him? Are we a servant of God? Are we ministering to others? Are we encouraging? So, Pastor, I need some encouragement myself today. Well, you know what? I can point you to the God of all comfort who can encourage you, who can meet your health, meet your needs today. And folks, I can tell you, this book called the Bible can give you the food you need to eat. Say, well, Pastor, there's some types of food I don't like. Yeah, I know, I understand. Tomatoes. 
But you know what? Even tomatoes are good for you. They are. I got some good stuff in there. It'll help you. Hey, the Bible's full of things that are good for you and can help us. Let's, let's pray. Dear Father, today I pray that as we think about our life, that we would consider, like the Apostle Paul, as he's looking at the hearts and lives of people, to encourage them, to help them to grow. Father, I pray that we would be ones that would come alongside, help people to grow in grace and in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Lord, to... Uh, to seek to pour out our love for them, to help them to realize that, that there's a God who we can trust in today. And Lord, perhaps by our faith, we can stir others to walk in faith. Father, I pray today that you would work in our hearts and Lord, speak to us about these areas. May we be more bold in stepping out to be an, a blessing, an encouragement, a help to fulfill your work today. Father, we just pray all these things in Jesus' name. With every head bowed and every eye closed, let me ask you today, are you part of the family of God? You say, Pastor, when you were talking about that, I, I'm not sure whether I'm part of the family of God. If you know for sure that you're a part of God's family because you've asked Jesus to be your Savior, would you do me a favor to slip your hand up for just a moment and put it back down? Amen. Yes. Some that could not raise their hand and say, Pastor, I'm not sure. Oh, my friend, you can be sure today. You can ask Jesus to be your Savior. God says you're a sinner, just like all of us. He sent His Son, Jesus, to die for you, to give you forgiveness of your sins, to give you a home in heaven, to make you part of His family. And all you have to do is very simple, is to receive Him willing to turn from your sin, turn to Jesus and say, Lord, I, I know I'm a sinner. I believe that Jesus died for me, your son. I want him to come into my heart and save me right now. In Jesus' name. It's that simple. You can ask 